Hello. Uh, we're in Romans 15, so I'll give you a chance to open up to Romans 15, verse 14 to 33 is what we're going to read this morning. So I'll give you a chance. Romans 15, 14. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another, and able to instruct one another. But on some points, I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given to me by God, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you, But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service to Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Well, as you heard, am I coming through there? Wonderful. As you heard, we are in the book of Romans. If you're visiting with us, that's where we've been for a while now. Uh, we're coming up to the end of Romans. As I said last week, Romans is one of those books. It's a little bit like Lord of the Rings. It keeps ending, but then it keeps going. Uh, it's got lots of false endings. And uh, last week, we saw two of those. We've got another one here today at the end. A nice little wrap-up at the end. But a whole other chapter to go next week. 
Uh, and so, uh, yeah, that's, that's Romans. Um, we have, uh, it's quite a big passage ahead of us today, and yet I'm going to go a little bit shorter than normal uh, today. Um, the passage today, it reads a little bit like a missionary support letter, doesn't it? Paul writing to a church to let them know about his ministry. And so we have a lot to learn here about the man, Paul, uh, the, the missionary, Paul. But then also we have a lot to learn about what it means for us today to live out our calling as ministers of the gospel in the world today. Uh, these verses, if they do nothing else, they remind us that Jesus has not left us without a job to do. Jesus has not called us to live out our days on earth playing golf and going to the beach and drinking flat whites. He has called us to something. Although those things are great. He's given us a task. Uh, We see it clearly in Matthew's gospel, what's become known as the Great Commission. Let me refresh your memories. And for those that have not yet heard it, this is how the gospel of Matthew closes, these words of Jesus. The resurrected Jesus speaking to his followers. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends, to the end of the age. So these are the marching orders given by King Jesus to his followers, to the 12 disciples of the the first century and to us today in this church. These are the marching orders from King Jesus. And so as a church, we want to be a great commission people because we want to be obedient to Jesus. Amen? (laughs) Amen. We want to take his calling on our lives seriously. And so today, we once more need to hear these words from Jesus to go and make disciples of all nations. Here's why I think this is important for us to be reminded of. Uh, Matt, uh, two or three weeks ago, reminded us of the the, uh, gospel-centered mission. And so we're we're back here already talking about that. Here's why I think this is really important for us to, to consider again today. Not just because it's in the text in Romans. But because I think that our obedience to the command of Jesus to go and make disciples acts as an incredibly uncomfortable barometer of our spiritual health. Doesn't it? You think you're doing great in the faith? <laughs> think you're thriving with Jesus? How are you going in your pursuit of making disciples in your life? It's an uncomfortable barometer for us. Are we seeking to be obedient to the call of Jesus on our lives? Or are we neglecting our calling and praying God would bless our own endeavors, whatever they might be? They're really important to us. (laughs) Friends, these are the standing orders of our God and King, and so we can't just ignore them. And so we must let ourselves be confronted, let ourselves be made uncomfortable by Jesus, let ourselves be convicted of our lack of zeal and respond in faith. Uh, One American pastor slash writer, Tony Marita, he said, great 
commission people make Jesus' last command their first priority? Are we going to be a great commission people in this church? We do. And so we want to make Jesus' last command our first priority. In our text today, we're going to see uh, Paul... Uh, I might stand back a little bit. That's ringing out a bit. Maybe mute these mics on stage. See if that's affecting it. Um, we're going to be stepping through our text today in, in Romans in four parts, broken down. We'll be, we'll be um, moving through this and seeing how our text today speaks to how it is we are to be Great Commission people today. All right. Firstly, we see uh, verses... Yeah, there we go. Uh, Paul's life of worship in 4 to 16. Paul's holy ambition to preach the gospel in verses 17 to 24. Paul's aid for the poor. And then Paul's need for prayer. So we'll kick off. Verses 14. Paul's life of worship. He says, I, make, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you are full of goodness filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. But on some points, I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God. If you've been coming to church for any length of time, if you've been connected to a local church for any length of time, you would know by now that a massive part of what we do together is actually just reminding one another of what we already know. Have you figured that out yet? Have you noticed that me and Matt say a lot of the same stuff every week? We are like Daryl Braithwaite on tour, just singing the horses again and again and again and again, right? That's, that's guys, that's just how it's going to be, Will Darling. We're, we're, uh, we've got one track on repeat, the gospel of good news for bad people in the name of Jesus Christ. That's, that's what we're doing. We're just doing that. And so, yes, by way of reminder, we're going to keep reminding you about what is important. We need to continue to hear the good news of the gospel. There's good reason for us to hear that again and again. We need to be reminded because we are so prone to slip into a kind of practical denial of the gospel. It's just who we are. It's like our souls are allergic to grace, not in like the, uh, the anaphylactic way where you touch the thing and you, you swell up. Um, quite the opposite, really. More like allergic, like the way my cat is allergic to being held over a pool. Um, arms and legs out. And like, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? We really do need to be reminded of the total love of God for sinners and for sufferers like you and like me. We need it. Our souls need it. We need to be fed consistently in the reminder of the gospel. And so Paul says, hey, by some, um, but on some points I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to try and move it. Paul here, he uses a whole raft, a whole stack of really priestly language, pulling from the Old Testament uh, language to describe what he's doing. He's a, he's a minister in the priestly service of the gospel uh, to present to God an offering, a, a sacrifice sanctified by the spirits. It's, it's all priestly language from the Old Testament. That's because Paul saw his entire life 
as a holy and sacred thing, a thing dedicated to God, sacred thing. And specifically here, he saw his evangelistic efforts as worship, an offering to God, an offering to God. So to friends, our efforts for the kingdoms, our desire to want to make disciples for the kingdom are to be understood as holy and sacred to God. They are acts of worship. It's worship. When we make disciples, we are worshiping our Father. They are consecrated to God. Uh, Just think back with me in Romans, uh, if you're here. Uh, You might not have been here. Uh, Romans 12, verse 1. Paul, in Romans 12, verse 1, tells us we are to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. So so no longer do we just bring a sacrifice. Paul's saying, no, no, we, we are now a sacrifice. We offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. Our entire lives are his. So this is a call to lay down our our entire selves, our very selves, onto the altar of God, completely surrendered to him. It is to give God the blank check of our lives and say, Lord, where you call, I will obey. This is the blank check. Here it is. Every area of my life. To be a living sacrifice is to live every single day on that altar in the knowledge that our life is no longer our own, but it belongs to him now. We are his, and this is no easy thing. Uh, D.L. Moody famously uh, mentioned that the problem with the living sacrifice is it keeps crawling off the altar. At least when you kill it, it stays there. We're going to be living sacrifices. We're just going to keep crawling off. Why? Because it's hard. It's it's easy to revert back to our self-centered motivations, easy to go back to our self-absorbed patterns of living. But as receivers of grace, friends, we must... We must remember, our lives are not our own. We've been bought at a price. We are his. We are his. And so we offer ourselves for his purposes and not our own. We have been called into the priestly service of the gospel, like Paul, to make disciples. Number two, Paul, uh, God gave Paul a holy ambition verse 17 all the way down to 24. He says, In Christ Jesus then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way down to Illyricum, so he's just, if we had a map, I could show you, just the Mediterranean world, all the way around, I fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason that I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have room for any work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come see you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and be helped on in my journey uh, there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. We, these verses, we see, Paul's, we see Paul's heartbeat here. 
So we see his heartbeat. And we see one of the major reasons why Paul wrote Romans in the first place. Right? It's, it's been his missionary policy as a preacher of the gospel not to go into places that had already had established churches. He decided, he's, he's been uniquely gifted by God, to go into places that had never heard about Jesus and plant new churches there. And so when he said, I don't want to build anyone's foundation, he wasn't saying that's immoral. He's saying, God hasn't called me to that. There's other people that can do that. God has called me to go where he's never been named before. And he actually says, you know what, that's actually why I've never been to Rome. I've never been to Rome because you guys are a church. I've, I haven't needed to come to Rome. There's already a church in Rome. But verse 20, I make it my ambition to preach where Christ has not yet been named. That is the heartbeat of Paul. And so he says, since I have finished all that I can do, since God has um, used me in those places, there's churches now in the places that I've gone, he's finished my ministry there, he's concluded my ministry, I want to come to see you so that you can then send me off east to Spain. Paul was a pioneer at heart, wasn't he? It's just who he is. He just, he just wants to go to the hardest soil, the hardest ground that there is, where, where the gospel, where the, the plow of the gospel has never touched. And he wants to go there. And that's where he wants to do his work. That's just who Paul is. You can't stop him. It's, it's his holy ambition to go to those regions. I don't know if you know this, but in the last 2,000 years, our world has changed a whole lot since Paul's day. Lots and lots and lots of things have changed. One thing remains true. There are still many, many, many places in the world who have yet to hear the gospel that we would classify as unreached. Let me give you some, some information about that. The unfinished task of world evangelization. The population of the world is approximately 7.9 billion. And I say approximately because like, even if it was like 0.71, uh, 7.91, that one is a lot of people. Um, approximately 7.9 people. The pop total population of unreached people groups is about 3.28 billion. If we're categorizing unreached people groups, as the mission agencies often do, by places that have less than 2% evangelical Christians. 3.28 billion people. It's about 41.5% of the world. And how many? 7,402 different people groups. Distinct ethnicities, languages. 7,402 different people. These people who don't have access to a Christian church probably have never met a Christian. Maybe have, but 41% of the world. Most of those people, if you want to know kind of like where they are, uh, do you want to throw up that next graphic? This is a really helpful. So um, missionaries and demographic people have come up with this 1040 window. So it's 10 degrees above the, the equator, 10, 10 degrees north to 40 degrees north, kind of from Africa to Asia. That window of that 3.28, of that 3.28 billion people, 96.3% of them live in that little spot there. So almost all of those people that we're talking about live there in that little region in the world. Um, the next one will show us populations. So those red circles, you can see the little one down in Australia. 
that's mil that the size represents millions of people who are not believers. So Australia, so just let, let's remember, guys, as we talk about world evangelization, there are many people in Australia. That, that red circle in Australia, that matters. <laughs> that's our local mission field. That's who the Lord has called us to reach. However, can we not ignore the massive amounts of red in, in, the, in the Asia, Africa region, that, in that 1040 window? Literal billions and billions and billions of people represented in that little window there. Paul is an example to us of a man who the Lord called specifically to go to those guys. Paul said, uh, the Lord said to Paul, this is your commission. This is your calling. You are to be a missionary to those people, to go to those who have not yet heard, because if they do not hear, how will they believe, he told us in Romans 10. How can they believe if they do not hear? And how will they, how will they hear unless someone speaks to them? the good news about Jesus. It is my sincere prayer for us as a church that God would raise up people from among us, like Paul, with that holy ambition, who are called to go, who are gifted by God with that holy ambition, who are called to go and minister to these people. That'd be a wonderful blessing. It's my sincere prayer that we would raise up people from among us. However, we all know not all of us are going to be a Paul. We all know that. Not all of us are uniquely wired in the same way to go across the world. Yes, some are. We need to be praying for those people. A lot of us are just going to be here. But whether we are called across the world or across the street, across the oceans or across the break room, we are, like Paul, called by Jesus to be Great Commission people. We are. And so whether we stay like the Roman church or whether we go like Paul, we have a responsibility to be Great Commission people. Um, those that stay, we, we read something else here, I think, about, about what Paul's saying to the Roman church. Like the Roman church, we actually have a responsibility. We actually have a responsibility to those who God has called to go. William Carey, very, very famous, um, the father of missions, um, he, um, he took the gospel to India back in the 1700s, and um, he's famously quoted as saying to his, his, his good friend, he's, um, I will go down if you will hold the ropes. Saying, I, I'll go, but I need you to be my support. Like, I need that support. I can't go on my own. I need need that support. I'll go down if you hold the ropes. And so, yes, we are not all called to go down like the William Careys and the Pauls of the world, but we are called in one way or another, I believe, to be rope holders for those that are called. The global church, we must. We must gather around those people. We must pray. We must support financially where we can. We must play our role to help those who are called to be pioneers. Number three. Paul's aid for the poor. It's a big text today. I did tell you. He said, at present, so I want, to come to, I want to come to Rome so you can send me on to Spain. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem bringing aid for the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it. 
and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When, therefore, I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Paul here, he's talking about this this donation that he's been gathering from the churches for the saints in Jerusalem. We see him talk about this in a lot of his letters. It's it's a a common thread in Paul's writing. Um, And it might be easy to think of it as a small side project for Paul. Something he's like, well, I'm on the way, so I might as well, well, I'll make myself useful, right? While I'm preaching the gospel, make myself useful for the saints in Jerusalem um, and just do, do what I can to help. It's easy to think that way until you look at a map and you get a sense of just how important this was to Paul. All right. Paul's almost certainly writing Romans in the city of Corinth in Greece, which is kind of in the middle where the, where the X is. Um, this is my attempt at trying to be clear. We'll see. Um, he wanted to go to Rome, just to the left, the circle, in Italy, and then across to Spain, all the way across in the west. And he says, I'm coming to Rome, but I've just got to stop in at Jerusalem. Which way is Jerusalem? (laughs) The exact opposite direction. And again, it's easy on maps to kind of lose the scale of this, but he's talking about an extra 3,000 kilometers plus onto his journey in the first century where... Every one of those kilometers carries a serious risk of death. It's not a safe thing to do, to, to travel 3,000 kilometers in the first century Roman Empire. Much safer than it was previous to that, but still, it's not safe. So considering the massive risks he was taking on for himself and the massive detour, the amount of time this was going to take, don't you think it's interesting? Paul doesn't delegate this. This seems to me something that could easily be delegated, Paul. You've been called to go preach the gospel in Spain. Surely someone can carry some bags to Jerusalem. Friends, this really mattered to him. This really mattered to Paul. It disrupted his plans to go to Spain so that he could go 3,000 kilometers in the opposite direction. We get this little insight in in the book of Galatians into how, how Paul feels about this. Um, I don't think I've got it up on the screen. Um, but this is, this is a conversation. Paul, in Galatians 2, he's recounting his first meeting with the apostles. So if you remember the story, if you haven't heard the story, I should say, Paul is a Pharisee. He's persecuting the church. He's then miraculously converted. And then one day, he comes to meet the apostles, having been the one that was terrorizing the church. And they're not so sure what to do with him exactly. And he recounts the conversation they had. And um, this is how it, how it went, verse 9 uh, in chapter 2 of Galatians. He said, when James and Peter, Cephas, when James and, and Peter and John seemed to be pillars, who seemed to be pillars, these, these kind of leaders of the, of the church in Jerusalem, when these guys perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me so that we should go to the Gentiles and they go to the circumcised. So he, he gets to Jerusalem and it says the apostles there, they recognize the grace of God in Paul. Isn't that awesome? They could see it. This guy has met Jesus. I can see the grace of God in him. And so they extend the, the hand of fellowship to him. They welcome him in, in as Christ has welcomed them in. Shout out to last week. 
But then he says this. He says, only, only, this is the, this is the one caveat the apostles gave to Paul, only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. That's always stuck out to me as well. Paul says, when I met the apostles, they gave me the right hand of fellowship. They sent me off as a missionary. They just said, Paul, don't forget the poor. Paul goes, yeah, that's important to me too. I was eager not to forget the poor, uh, not to forget the poor. I wonder if we could say what Paul just said and honestly say, yes, Paul, uh, yes, I'm honestly eager to not forget the poor. Is this something we're eager to do? Friends, as we take the gospel forwards, as his gospel ministers in the world, we simply must not forget the poor. Gospel ministry must be accompanied with, must be accompanied with care and concern for the poor in order to just remain faithful to Jesus. So yes, let me put my caveat here. Yes, let's beware the social gospel which says feeding the poor will save the poor. It won't. Jesus will save the poor. Jesus alone will save the poor through grace, through faith. But let's also beware the opposite error, right, which jettisons God's, uh, our God-given responsibility for social concern and betrays the integrity of the gospel by going, not our problem. No, we must, we must remember the poor. So today we've, we've heard about Paul's life of worship, his living sacrifice. We've heard about his holy ambition. We've heard about his aid for the poor. And finally, prayer. He asks for prayer. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for, uh, for Jerusalem might be acceptable to the saints. So pray that I'm not going to get killed and pray that they accept the offering that I'm bringing them. So that by God, I, I, uh, so by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed by your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. It's good to know that Paul knows that he needs prayer. He knows that. He needs prayer. And so he asked this church to strive, is the word he uses, to strive with him in, in prayer for his safety and for his success. The word could also be translated struggle. Anyone else here feel like prayer can be a struggle sometimes? Something you have to strive in? Yeah, it really, it really can, guys. It takes discipline. It takes, a, it takes a conviction of heart that believes that prayer does something, and it is necessary, and that it's probably more important than eating if I'm going to make a difference in this world. It is indispensable. And so can I just one more give a, once more give a plug and say, hey, we want to be a church of prayer. We want to grow in this. Paul, prayer is important. Paul seemed to think so. And so I want to encourage you once more to do your best to make it along to our prayer, 9 o'clock and 4 o'clock. That time is precious. It is important. It is the heartbeat of our church. God has ordered the world that he will, he will do his best work through answering our prayers. It's important to remember.
right? So, want to be great commission people? We want to be great commission people who, who uh, make the last command of Jesus their first priority. We want to take seriously this call to world evangelization. We want to support the Pauls of this world. We want to support the pioneers. Uh, we want to live lives of worship. We want to be rope holders. We want to not forget the poor. And of course, we want to pray, 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 pray for the gospel to go forwards. Before I wrap up, a little surprise for us all today. Um, we've got a couple in our congregation who are new to our church who have a serious history in missions. And so would you welcome up Roger and Lisa, please? Um, would you guys make... Yeah, there we go. Thank you. These guys are going to um, share with us a little bit about their experience with Pioneers. is an organization, a uh, mission organization, um, that we've actually had a little bit to do with at church through um, Danica, who's part of this church a little while back. Um, so Roger and Lisa, you guys are new to our church, so you're going to have to do a little bit of... Hello. Yeah, take that. Um, do a little bit of explaining uh, who you are, um, because you are yeah, quite new to our congregation still. So a little bit about how you kind of came to be in Brisbane, uh, the move, um, what you guys are doing with yourselves now, and then, of course, a little bit about your, your history with um, Pioneers as well. It's a few things. Yeah. Uh, well, to be honest, uh, there's a reason why I have gray hair, because uh, we've been around for a little while. Uh, but uh, just, just in brief... It's, it's really been a, a joy and an experience uh, that we would never replace to see how God's grace and the evidence of that grace has been a part of our family for a long time. Uh, we're not from uh, Brisbane. I'm not sure if it sounds like it or not. but uh, <laughs> uh, So we grew up in North America uh, on a little uh, border town between the U.S. and Canada. So later on, you can try to figure out who's from where. Um, really, uh, we both grew up in uh, Christian families, a real passion for mission, uh, a real passion for God's word. And that's, that's a, again, a, an evidence of God's grace in our life. Uh, we were high school sweethearts, met at church, and spent the first 12 years together. Uh, I was in engineering. Uh, with automotive in Michigan and um, had a chance to uh, have a few children at that time. We had five kids and so life was a, a little bit busy and yet we had felt uh, not just in our families but in high school both of us had gone on mission trips which I highly recommend uh, for you to be able to get to know missionaries, what it's really like uh, just the normalness of being a missionary, uh, uh, you can experience that in a week or two, just uh, living side by side with them. But that had a strong impact on both of us, um, and and yet the season of our life that God slowly steered us towards mission uh, came 12 years later uh, in year 2000. Uh, we went from... Uh, the U.S. and were sent over to Indonesia as missionaries uh, with pioneers and started that journey. Uh, it really is a humbling journey. Uh, it's a time of uh, not only founding yourself in Christ, uh, but seeking that dependence and that he would work through you. Uh, and that was really our desire. Uh, it was a big step uh, with all of our kids and uh, we got a lot of attention uh, walking the streets of Indonesia uh, with our little tribe. Uh, 
which we still refer to as our tribe. Uh, but uh, uh, we were 18 years with Pioneers. Uh, the majority of that time actually was in Australia. Uh, so a, a, a period of time we actually moved to Australia and were more of a support role within missions, uh, coming alongside of families uh, who were considering mission, walking that journey. Uh, it's, it, it can be a two, three, four year process uh, to go into missions. Uh, so we had the privilege of walking that journey with many uh, families. And then later, be um, in, in Pioneers, we became member care uh, for those in Southeast Asia. And so when the reality of missions hits after being there for 8 to 12 months, uh, life uh, oftentimes gets turned upside down, and you start questioning God's call on your life. And Lisa and I had the privilege of going and uh, spending time with these families and encouraging them through God's word, uh, uh, affirming the call that was in and upon them uh, from the Lord, uh, but also uh, just hearing their story and being a part of that. Uh, most recently, uh, we, we kind of started our third career. Uh, so I, I joined the Australian Defense as a chaplain, and that has brought us to uh, Darwin and, and now uh, here in Brisbane. And it's, it's, it is somewhat like a... Um, an unreached people group in some respects, yeah. uh, and there's a lot of crossover. Uh, but it's it's really just a, a privilege to be a part of that. So that's that's some of our journey. Uh, we have moved around uh, quite a few times. We did have another child, so we have six kids, uh, uh, and we're up to eight grandkids. So life is continuing. Yeah, definitely. Um, maybe Lisa, do you want to tell us a little bit a little bit about? Um, what do you think makes for a good support church for, for missionaries? Yeah, how can we be good rope holders? Um, yeah, I would say two things. Um, when we were sent out a little bit later on from a church called Bethlehem in the States, um, they had a system where they had what they called a Barnabas team. And it was a team of people that were their encouragers. Um, and so when we went, out a little bit later on, um, they were the rope holders in a way that was very, very special. It was a group that we we asked to be a part of that, so it was about six to ten adults that they met together on a monthly basis and prayed for us. And it was somebody that we could share some of the things that maybe you didn't want to share with a hundred people, but some, the, the, the deep things that were those struggles. And they truly prayed. And I know that missionaries all talk about, you know, support us financially and with prayer. But prayer is so significant. And that team of people, we went through some real difficult times during those years. And they were the people that we shared quite rawly with. And they were the ones that truly met and, and would follow that up. Um, and just as... Um, as the mom raising children, I think that the other area that was really, um, I think is so key, is um, asking them how they're really going spiritually. So just like Javi here will come and ask you, what is the Lord teaching you this week? Um, you know, we sometimes elevate missionaries and put them on a pedestal. 
and just think, oh, they've got the spiritual all in place. It's about what they do. How many people did you share Christ with this week? But if, if God's word isn't going in, then that's not what's going to be that comes out. So what is so important is that we encourage them spiritually and even just ask the same kinds of questions you would ask here, being willing to ask that and allow them to say what's hard, that when it's difficult, that it's okay to say the, the things that I'm struggling to read my Bible or I'm struggling to share it with my children. Mm. But just, I would say that that would be another, a, a way of encouraging them spiritually, not just, hey, read this article or listen to this sermon. No, share more personally. What, what is God doing in your life? And ask them what is really going on with them mm. and how you can be praying for that. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, it's very helpful. Um, yeah, do, do you want to maybe share, um, Roger, um, some of the challenges you faced um, in, in the work of pioneers um, and any, any maybe lessons learned that God kind of taught you over your time? Yeah. Uh, probably one of the most challenging times was us uh, living in, uh, we were living in a, a little island called Lombok uh, back in 2001 uh, and the years around there. Uh, that's, that's when 9-11 uh, happened in the States. It was uh, a pretty big deal. Uh, and we really didn't know what to do and had a lot of advice, uh, but not consistent advice. So uh, just, just the reality of being dependent on God and his guidance, uh, looking to people that uh, uh, have uh, a strong walk with God that you can look to and uh, have as uh, people that will come alongside of you and give you uh, advice from God's word. And um, yet uh, there's, there's, a, there's a real humility in that as you make decisions. Sometimes you can look back and things all, all of a sudden are incredibly clear. Uh, but at the time, they're not. And so just being willing to uh, be used by God in the seasons that he calls you uh, for the work that he's called you to, uh, but recognizing that that is not an end in a, of itself. Uh, it's, a, it's a season. And so we, we had a few of those seasons um, of difficulty. Uh, we've, we've had uh, some really hard things that have happened uh, in our immediate family uh, and uh, extended family that... Uh, we, we were not there for those events, uh, and yet, by God's grace, um, uh, in some way, we were always able to be uh, somehow attached to it. Uh, yeah. those, those events, they, they brought us in through video or, or some other way. Uh, but uh, God often uses, and it's clearly used in our lives, those difficult times uh, where you have no real correct answer, yeah. uh, where you're just crying out to him and asking for his help. And those are the, those are the things that we would never replace, uh, because that's exactly where he wants us. Praise the Lord, hey? uh, Maybe one last um, question for, for you guys is, um, how would you encourage someone, well, the, the, the two people, right? So the, the, the one person who feels like God might be calling them, um, what would you say to that person who feels maybe that little... That, that little niggle in the back of their mind that, yeah, God's talking to you now about, about going. Uh, and then secondly, to the rest of us who, are, who will stay but want to 
want to do our part for making disciples of all nations? How, how do you yeah, encourage each, each person? Yeah, well, I, I strongly believe that God does put a call on our life yeah. in, in different ways. Uh, certainly, he's called me as, uh, as a husband. He's called me as a father. He's given us children. He's called me to different roles and responsibilities at work. And in each of those situations, uh, there's, there's ways I can be intentional about sharing, sharing God's love and the gospel message to each of those areas in my life. And so wherever you find yourself called specifically uh, today, don't underestimate uh, how God has positioned you uh, for such a time as this that you would share through word and deed, uh, as our passage talked about this morning, uh, that, uh, that gospel message that has given you hope. Uh, specifically when it comes to missions, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't think there's a better way of seeing firsthand God at work in the lives of others. Uh, it's stretching. Uh, it's, it's, it's a chance for you to, to see uh, from a different perspective, God at work in the world. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm 100% behind um, encouraging you to consider at any stage of life um, how God might use you uh, in a small way uh, because it, it's an eye-opening opportunity to see God at work, yeah. and you just can't replace that. Awesome. Awesome. Anything to add, Lisa? Um, maybe gathers people that you know are godly around you and um, getting them to pray for you and not looking for a fast answer. Um, God works in his timetable, but to keep praying and keeping it before him as to where he has you. And I think even as Roger was saying, going firsthand, it doesn't mean necessarily going on an organized mission trip. Find a missionary that you, um, that you respect and go and visit them. Not only will you will they be teaching you, but you'll be able to help them, and it will be a mutual encouragement. So, being able to do that, like just with a with another family, um, but then gathering people around you who will really pray that you would see clearly what God has for you, and um, and I think over time you start seeing what the next step is and what the next step is. Yeah. Wonderful. Can we thank Roger and Lisa, everyone, for um? Hey, thanks so much, guys. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing, guys. That was a wonderfully insightful and helpful. Um, hey, let me just let me just close. Um, maybe uh, Greta and Matt can make your way back up. Um, just while I, uh, just before I pray to finish up. Um, when we talk about, okay, something happens with me when we talk about this topic, and that is I feel automatically very overwhelmed. Am I the only one? <laughs> Three point two eight billion people. That's overwhelming to me. Uh, I might be the only one. Um, I, I, I feel overwhelmed. And honestly, I feel a little bit condemned at that number. Well, here's what Jesus tells us. The last words to us in the Great Commission, they're so important. They're on the screen, right? Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Our calling is not to go alone but to go in the power of Christ, filled with his spirit. So rest assured, Christian, that as you seek to serve him with your life, he will be with you every step of the way. You'll never be alone. You are never alone. To the end of the age. Let's pray.
Lord, we pray now for the nations. We pray for those 3.28 billion people, Lord. We yet to hear of your gospel. Lord, don't have ready access maybe to, to scriptures, Lord, or to a local church. Lord, we pray for those people now, Lord. Would you, would you do a great work, Lord? Would you, would you rise up a new generation of missionaries to go? Lord, I know that the, uh, the, uh, there's been a change in the last, in the last uh, 50 odd years, Lord, from um, kind of like North American missionaries going out to just missionaries from all over the world. Lord, would you increase that, Lord? Would there be missionaries going from every single country to other countries, Lord, that need you? Would you raise up the global church, gift those like Paul with the gift of, of that pioneer heart to go where those have not heard? Would you use them? your glory. Lord, and show us as well, Lord, show us here in Brisbane, in Inaugura, Lord, what it means for us to be great commission people, Lord, that have a heart uh, concerned with the lost, both across the street and across the world. Would you grow that in us, Lord, I pray. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.